Welcome to the Cybersecurity Defenders Podcast, episode number 99. My name's Christopher Luft, and I will be your host. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Yohai Greenberg, Frontline Cybersecurity Defender and CTO. But first, a word from the sponsor of this show, Lima Charlie. My name is Maxim Lamad Brassard, and I'm the founder of Lima Charlie, I'm the company behind the SecOps Cloud Platform. Cybersecurity tools today need to evolve from the one-size-fits-all silos into a modern tool set to adapt to the specific needs that you have. The SecOps Cloud Platform works by providing you with full access to the underlying security tools and infrastructure. Everything's on demand with no minimums, no contracts. It's an approach that's really like AWS has done in IT. We offer a full-featured free tiers, no credit cards, no contracts, nothing. Get on the platform today, deploy an EDR, start ingesting logs, build a product, start an MDR, an MSSP, whatever you can imagine. We're making security flexible so you can build what's possible. You can learn more or get started for free at limacharlie.io. My guest today is Yohai Greenberg, a lifelong technologist, frontline cyber defender, and founder and ex-CTO of Nano Cyber Solutions. Yohai was an early adopter of Lima Charlie, and as such, I've had many occasions to interact with him over the years. He has a very wide breadth of knowledge and isn't shy about sharing his opinions. I'm looking forward to chatting about a wide variety of subjects with him on today's show. Thanks for being with us, Yohai. It's really great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I think I uh, wanted to have this uh, conversation for a long time, so thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, we're really happy to have you here. You know, on the show, I'm always interested in people's Genesis story. I know you took a really interesting path to where you are today. Uh, what initially got you interested in computers and how did that turn into a career in cybersecurity? Yeah, yeah. I think my 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 origin story is a little bit strange. Uh, so I grew up in Israel and, and I think I my first computer was uh, an XT. <clears throat> and, and that was the only computer I had. And... and and obviously, I, I, I destroyed it for my father, and we didn't have money to fix it. So I had to go and fix it. That's one of my memories of it. And, and since then, I, you know, for me, it was always computer. And, you know, as a computer grew, I grew playing Doom, playing, you know, with the games, the early 90s, late, late 80s, early 90s. I, I just loved computer games, and I loved cracking software eventually. And, and, you know, and that led to other things and that led to always studying and understanding what's going on and always understanding what the computer is doing and more and more into it. And then playing with other things and playing with friends and, and doing stuff with computers. And, you know, when I, when I, uh, when I moved to the United States in my early twenties, I just had a lot of knowledge in computers. Um, whether it's, uh, um, whether it's how to change stuff on a computer, or how to investigate everything happening on a computer. What I didn't have is any, uh, professional understanding of it. You know, I didn't know how things are called. I, I, what, what was the naming? So I moved here and uh, I worked in various jobs and all the time I dealt with computers and, you know, as a hobby, it was always a hobby for me. And one of, uh, one of, well, I used to do private security, physical, and one of my clients, their friends got hit um, 
someone hacked them and they didn't know what to do about it. And I told them, you guys, have you ever heard of a firewall? And that thing led to another and I opened an IT company and I started, you know, diving into the professional aspect of, of uh, forensics because that was always my thing. You know, and I think when you when you know how a computer works, there's a big difference between knowing how a computer works and how to write a report about how it works and what, what were your findings. So I had to learn that part more than how to find stuff. And, you know, from there, I, I used to do forensics. And uh, I used to do uh, uh, more investigations. I had an IT company. I sold the IT company and opened a cybersecurity company because I wanted to, you know, during the time having an IT company and everything happened, I realized that small businesses don't have any cybersecurity whatsoever. So I decided to try and give them the best protection for the price. And I opened a cybersecurity company. It was now Cyber Solutions to give them that SOC and I'll say a higher level of security, not just in, well, back then there weren't any MDRs, but not just an MDR, but, you know, a 24 seven SOC that someone can answer them for any question they have and, really dig into any event, not just by, you know, finding a virus. And that one thing led to another. And uh, yeah, now I'm here. Here you are. Yeah. And throughout your career, you pro- like you said, you provided cybersecurity services to a wide variety of small and medium-sized businesses. What are the biggest threats that you're seeing across the landscape today? So it's always ransomware, I guess, in, in many ways. Ransomware, you know, hasn't changed. I think... Uh, when you look, especially in smaller businesses, I th- I see, I see a few things. First of all, um, you cannot you cannot separate what's happening in the world to any kind of business. So, when for example, I used to do a lot of again as an Israeli, I used to have a lot of Israeli clients. I would see a lot of attacks coming from Iran or or any kind of hacking activity from um, a country's hostile to Israel looking for businesses run by Israelis. But, uh, you know, and, and I think ransomware has evolved to a place today that it affects more businesses in, uh, you know, in a different way rather than larger enterprises because, you know, small businesses, a lot of time the IT doesn't know how to deal with the incident response, so they just replace all the computers. They have a backup somewhere, even if it's a month old, they'll survive. Mm-hmm. But there is no, but, you know, but the ransomware, the way it affects it is by, um, they're stealing a lot of data. They're stealing a lot of data and they publish it. And some of them, especially CPAs or law firms that are smaller, they have to go and deal with their clients and deal with all of that. So that's another layer that I see uh, becoming more and more uh, uh, popular. Beside that, for small businesses, especially in medium, inside threat, always been an issue. Um, and always been an issue. Also, phishing, uh, phishing, especially with generative AI becoming more, uh, uh, you know, uh, more convincing, especially fraud. And but it, but at the end of the day, it's it's, it's becoming, you no, know, it's becoming a little bit more complicated. I see more companies uh, sending money because the 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 fraud notes are so good. Uh, so that's the thing that I see the threats happening today, especially in smaller businesses. Yeah. Larger enterprises, it's a different story. Although they have all three also. Yeah, I've heard from many people that extortion is becoming a bigger and bigger part of that ransomware negotiation. And like you said, I think it was pretty easy to spot phishing emails before because the spelling or the language would 
be a little bit off. You know, it just wouldn't quite sound right. And now with the LLMs and stuff, it's really easy to create something that sounds super professional, even if that's not your first language. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually it's uh, something that I, I always like to admire when, when what, you know, how they use, how it evo- evolves. It always evolves. And, and, and sometimes you look at the, the exchange and you go, this is brilliant. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Uh, overall, do you think things are getting better or worse? Worse, but but it's a mixed bag. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I, I think in in many ways, um, machine learning uh, the defending point is becoming more decent. So it's sometimes it'd be a little bit more difficult if you know the sp- small business has decent protection. It would be a little bit more difficult in many ways. So the attackers have to be a little bit more sophisticated. So you have that, you know, cat and mouse game. So generally speaking, it becomes worse. If if you look back over your career, which I think spans the last 15 years, at least in cybersecurity, um, what are the biggest changes have you seen in that time? Like on the vendor side or the attacker side? Like what, what's different now than from when you started? So <laughs> obviously for attackers, I think something that will, will hunt us down for a long time is, you know, you have ransomware as a service. Whoever thought of that before, you know, someone is uh, creating the service and, and then and then selling it to other, uh, you know, entities that do the do the attacks and collect the money and they're getting they're getting paid for that. This is, mm-hmm. you know, I think in many ways hasn't changed that much, but it's becoming more and more professional. Look look at all the ransomware groups, all the attack groups. They become more like corporations. Yeah. So they become more professional. Uh, time time passes by. Uh, the other major change is that, you know, uh, a lot of groups are using data to extort other companies or, or, you know, people, which is fairly new to an extent. It's, it's in, uh, you know, it's the next evolution of ransomware. Um, and that, that's a, a, a big thing. I think the next evolution will be wiper, uh, wiper software that will wipe your computer and extort you for data that they, they, uh, pulled out of your machines. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not a new thing, but uh, as time passes by and everything becomes more and more sophisticated, supply chain, supply chain attacks are a major factor, and, and it's it's a major change. You know, don't look for the bigger target. Look for the smaller links, links in the chain and, and abuse the trust there, and then abuse the trust on the next link, and then abuse the trust and go one step at a time to reach your bigger target. Mm-hmm. I think in many ways, supply chain attacks are the biggest challenge any, you know, the cybersecurity industry has. Um, from the defending point of view, so I think the biggest change is the availability and cost of defending or, you know, protection tools. It used to be much more expensive. And when I say used to be, I mean four years ago. Um, so I think today we have more tools, although a lot of them are the same, but in essence, but they're more affordable and they're more available. Um, I think today it's easier for even end user to call Sentinel One and get the AV than it was four years ago for an IT company to come and then understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I had, I had a, I had a potential client though, four or five years ago, and they had the silence installed and they didn't even know what to do with it. I think that has changed drastically. Um, also the cost of storage. And that changes all the time. Storage used to be extremely expensive. And, you know, you, you can 
you can build cyber tools based on your storage, which was more expensive back then. And, and obviously, you know, when I look at it, back in the day, what we had, we had, if you wanted, you know, if you wanted a sock that, that you built, you had to go open source, you know, you had next, Nextron, which rest in peace. You had Elsa, you had EntopNG, Offsec, Snort. You had to figure it all out. Yeah. You know, you had security on yourself, security on it, which is an amazing software, but you had to really figure it out what you want to do. You, you, but it was basically, it was your imagination. When I, when I started working with Limo Charlie, was still on GitHub. And, and, you know, it was, I, I remember I was doing research. He was Limo Charlie, was Mig from Mozilla. He was, I don't think there was, and OSIC, obviously, which turned into a zoo. Um, so you have more options today. I'm just thinking, just had a meeting earlier. You can literally buy a Falcon from CrowdStrike for four, five dollars a month per endpoint, mm-hmm. and and you already have the ADR and and access, and you know, and and, and AV, or you can buy Lima Charlie and build your own infrastructure on top of that, which is a huge money saver. So that has changed drastically. You know, it's definitely not the same. And and for that, you know, I think uh, we're lucky. Yeah, the market kind of has led towards that democratization of the tools. And I also think that we're seeing cybersecurity look more and more like an engineering profession than in the past where it was kind of the realm of the, the wizards and the hackers and the hoodies and all that stuff. Yep, I, I agree with you. Personally, I don't think it was ever a, Hackers and hoodies and, you know, sitting in the mother's basement. Yeah. It, it has changed. Uh, there's, I, I think there's one thing that has changed drastically and that's on an attacker point of view. And actually I'll talk about it later, but you know, we as uh, cyber defenders, attackers, doesn't matter. We used to look at script kiddies and then you say, and, and and look at them in a, in a bad way, you know, in a, these guys just using tools. I think in many ways, this industry has turned into a script kitty industry, both attacking and defending. And that's a dangerous thing, you know, because because the tools you have today, the tools that you, need, the tools that you can get today and, and the amount of knowledge you need to apply, either good or bad, the one and the tools are amazing. You have such great variety and the knowledge is limited than you used to have before. So I think that has changed drastically. And I think, by the way, that will impact the entire industry for the next 10 years, at least. Yeah. You made an interesting observation previously when we were chatting, and that was that as defenders, uh, we're modeling our threats based on past events and not making future predictions. Can you elaborate on that line of thinking? And, and what can we do to be prepared for threats that don't exist yet? So first of all, yes, I think every, every military, let's go, go into every military always trains to the past wars and not the future war, because you can't predict what, what going to be the, the next war. Um, and, 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 and as defenders, you know, we, we, we are a civilian service, but we are in many ways, there's not a big difference between, you know, protecting a business cyber wise and protecting a military base. The terminology might be um, different, but it's all the same. 
you know, look at the attackers versus intruders in real life. You have people gathering intel, finding a weak link. They go into the same as defenders. You have walls, firewalls. You have you have chains, fences, whatever you need. You have a sock. You have a, a sock in, in you know in a base checking for all the the sensors. The way the way we can protect anything that doesn't exist is my my opinion is that you always need to think you know like a hacker like how how would i you know gain access here you know like to my target not not in you know uh, penetration testing and all of that but always think about what is the next move and you always have to have your finger you know like checking your pulse to see you know any new kind of uh, any any new uh, proof of concept, any new exploits, any new ways of doing stuff. You know, you can't, you can't say, well, you know, today I'm going to take a break from that. So you always have to make sure you're, you're part of the game. Because getting ahead of the game, it will be very difficult unless you're going to open your own attacking uh, business and, 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 and create the future. But that's that's part of you know uh, the way they gather intel. We as defenders need to also gather that intel. Is it never ends? Yeah. So just staying up to date with the newest stuff you see coming through. Yeah, and behavior analysis. Always do behavior analysis. All, all yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say we've talked a lot about different tools and technologies. Uh, off the top of my head, I can think we have EDR, XDR, SIM, SOAR, AV. In your opinion. Do we need all those? And if so, what are the must-haves and what are the nice-to-haves? Well, you know my answer already. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you've known me for too long. <laughs> <coughs> Do we need all of those? My opinion, no. I, I think today we're in a place where, um, you know, uh, seems sore XDR is more or less the same. They do it the same. Yes, the beginning they add specific, you know, specific... Uh, concept behind them but you know the uh, people that build xdrs they saw the you know what sword did and they added it and so what sim did and added and you know vice versa so it's all the same what what's nice to have it based on your infrastructure and the people working with you whatever is comfortable for you it's not it's not a i don't think there is a must on anything as long as you have the people that know how to, you know, to analyze it. I think it's it's important to have tools that can give you the IR capability when something happens and have the people that know how to analyze those IR capabilities. Um, but I can't tell you what is nice to have. You have to have an EDR, obviously, because it tells you what's happening. Everything else, it's based on your environment. And an AV, you need an AV still, sure. Okay, that's interesting. I haven't heard a lot of people place that one up as a high importance, but I guess it takes a lot of the uh, detection responsibility off the shoulders of the engineers. Sure. You know, why would you deal with everything happening? And, you know, if at least you have something, you can deal with whatever signatures that they already know. So I definitely think AV is important. This one's a little more philosophical. Uh, and I'm curious what you think. What's more important, spending your effort to actively protect an organization or putting those resources towards hardening and having a good IR plan in place? Yeah. Um, you, you, look, 
it's philosophical, as you said. You, you can protect your in, your business as much as you want. There is always a chance you're going to get hacked. And for that, you should have as much hardening and IR plan in place. You know, again, it depends on the manpower you have. If you have the people that can do the IR and it's not going to be something that will get you bankrupt, definitely. Um, but if you don't have, put as much effort to protect your organization and then find, you know, whether it's cyber insurance or anything, find a way hiring those people. But you definitely need to have a mix of both. Yeah, one can exist in isolation. They need to be some combination of the two. Yep. Um, so I don't want to turn this interview into a commercial for Lima Charlie's SecOps cloud platform, but you've been a user for almost five years now. Can you speak to your experience and what you think of the engineering approach to solving the problems faced by security professionals? Of course. First of all, I'll have to uh, correct you. I've been a user of Limo Charlie, I want to say, eight years now, before it was even <laughs> the Limo Charlie we all know and uh, love today. Back in the open source days. Back in the open source days. Uh, so I think, I think, and this is the reason why I really love Limo Charlie and I've been, you know, as yeah, I've been with you guys since day one. I think there is no perfect tool or there is no perfect approach. Never. I've never seen a, anything that I said, that's it. That's, I'm done. I, I have everything I need right here. There are many tools. There's many approaches. And, and I think what I love about it, Lima Charlie is that at the end of the day, you can build your own environment based on your approach. I don't think what I build for my clients and I train my my guys will work for everyone that comes afterwards and go and use the same tools and environment, but it works for us. And in, in the whole game of mix and match and, and, and what do I want to add? How do I want to use something? I think Lima Charlie is probably one of the best tools I ever used. Uh, more, more than that, as far as an IR tool, someone that comes from forensics and I always see cyber as an IR first approach. I think Lima Charlie is one of the best IR tools out there um, because it gives you all the data you need when everything happens at the same time. You don't have to go for, okay, you know, I'll use my, my EDR and then I'll jump into my IR uh, environment and back and forth. You have everything that you need. It takes minutes minutes to understand an incident, even if you don't have any any background knowledge of it because you the vast data you have. And as as a cyber engineer, I can take all of that and build whatever I want on top of that yes. and add whatever I want to add on top of that. And that that makes it a hell of a tool in my opinion. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's nice to hear it's working as intended. <laughs> Um, so what do you think of the vendor market? Is marketing ruining cybersecurity or do you think we're doing a better job now than we have in the past? I want to say pass, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't want people to see it from, you know, any, any vendor and go like, I don't like this guy. I, I, look, cybersecurity is a, is a business that you have um, a lot of tools and a lot of them do the exact same thing. They just look different. Mm -hmm. And I never had issues with any tool. I think the tools are great. I had issues with people 
claiming their tools do things that they don't do. And because of that, companies get hacked. If you sell a tool that you sell it as it can do anything without human intervention, you're lying to your designated clients. Um, the, is marketing wearing cybersecurity? I don't think it's a fair assessment because marketing is an essential tool for anything. You know, and we cannot have any business without marketing. But you know, I, but again, and I think Ross from Lima Charlie always talks about it. It's 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 such an industry that most consumers do not understand what they're buying into. That it creates anomalies. And those anomalies is like, for example, when you think of cybersecurity companies, you think of CrowdStrike, you think of Sentinel War, you think of, you know, McAfee, if, if whatever reasons, you think of, of uh, Norton, whatever, uh, uh, what's their name? I forgot their name right now. Symantec. You think of those companies, but those are software companies. What they do is that they build software. Cybersecurity is the product that they're selling with their software. And having a software in cybersecurity won't fix your issues. It, it might make you, make you safer for a while, but it's not going to fix the, the problem. And the marketing goes as buy this software, you'll be protected. Oh, you know what? Buy this software to be on top of that, you'll be protected. Oh, buy this software, you'll be protected. Oh, you need to add all this software into one panel, and then you'll be protected. You know what? You need automation on top of that panel and then to be protected. But so it's all good. But what they don't tell you is that, oh, I forgot to tell you, you need to hire at least five people to monitor all these softwares together. And yes. you know, you see what's false positive, whether it's real or not, will it affect us? So marketing is an essential tool in any business, but in the cybersecurity thing, because again, the clients, the end users don't know what, what's happening. I feel like a lot of times, you know, companies sell miracles and people in this industry know that there's no miracles. So do you have any advice for vendors out there trying to sell directly to practitioners like yourself? Yeah, let us play with it. Don't give me a demo. I don't care. I don't care. Let me play with it. Let me, let me see what your, you know, the, the lab is meaningless for me. Let me see in production. I'll be out of a small production environment. Let me check it out. I, 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 I know companies, some of them are brand new and they'll, they'll do wonders because they give me access to their tools. And I, I go back to them and I say, you know what? I love it. Or, you know what? Here's tiny change. Or, you know, I, one of the reasons why I love you guys, you know, we've been talking for the last eight years, you know, back and forth. And that's how any relationship with, with a, with a product company should be. You know, let's make it easier, better. Yes, no, it's, it's, it's always a conversation. And, and, uh, yeah, I, that's definitely my best advice. Uh, if you think your product is good, give it to me. Yeah. And, and don't lie to me. I really don't lie to me. Like, I, I, I don't care if you're, if you're using open source tool and building a nice GUI on top of that. Just be honest, be frank. One of the, I'll just say this, one of the main reasons why I opened Nano. Because I had a, a long time ago, I had a client and uh, he thought, yeah, it's, it wasn't a big company. It was a small, small construction company, um, but they were making a lot of money. And he thought someone 
hire the hacker to steal his leads. And, and I start calling companies. I'm not going to mention them right now, but no one helped me. No one would give me a solution. No one will give me any software because they had only 10 employees. Now, granted, I'm talking about 2016 or something, 2015. And no one would have helped me. And one of those companies, they're pretty big right now today. They just started back then. And, you know, and their marketing was, hey, we do packet inspection. We do this, we do that, we do that. And I asked him some questions and the salesperson couldn't answer. So she passed me to the sales engineer a few days later. And I started asking all these questions, you know, packet inspection and everything. And he said, no, we don't do that. We don't do any of that. And I started talking to him, you know, like more and more what they do. And back then, all they did was DNS inspection, which is fine. But just be front about that. We don't have to go through the whole process to find out that all your, everything you're selling is not true. Um, so yeah, that's uh, something that, uh, I think can always be better. Okay. This is the last one I have for you. It's the one I ask of everyone that comes on the show. It can be as wide or as narrow as you want. Do you have any predictions for the future of cybersecurity? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I don't want to predict anything, <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, I think there's three things that we have to look into consideration when we think about cybersecurity. A, we cannot ignore the elephant in the room, with, which is generative AI. I think generative AI is a blessing and a curse, um, but it's the future. And it can do our job much easier. It will never replace any of us, but, well, I'm not going to say never, but in the, in the near future, it's not going to replace us. But it makes us, it makes us do our job more efficiently, better, but it's a hell of an attacking tool. So that's one thing that I see is going to affect us all. The other thing is, I really do think that the, um, the, the gap between script kiddies and, you know, hackers that ride their own payload is going to, is going to uh, get, the gap is going to get narrower and narrower because one, you can use generative AI to generate payloads and it will be an amazing. And, Two, the availability of tools and the things that they can get on Telegram and other places. You don't need to be an amazing, you know, like programmer writing exploits, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so I think that will definitely affect all of us because in one, S, one end, it's a little bit more difficult to hack companies. But in the other, if you know how the supply chain works and, and you have just script kiddies, you could probably do more damage than ever today. And it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is a great conversation, Yohai. Thanks so much for coming on the show and chatting with me and for being a longtime supporter of Lima Charlie. It's uh, been really great knowing you over the years and uh, I look forward to many more. Thank you, Christopher. It was my pleasure. And that concludes this episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future topics, please send an email to defenders at limacharlie.io. You can access the intel we talk about on the show in real time and join the conversation on the Lima Charlie community Slack channel at slack.limacharlie.io. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with someone or leaving a rating or review. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode.